the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas, and we're here every weekday at 4 to take your phone calls and answer any questions you have about the Bible, about our faith, about something going on in your life. We'll do the best that we can, but Thursdays is especially set aside for uh, you who are ladies out there who might need some encouragement. Paula is live in studio with me. And we would love to have any questions and calls. Here are your numbers. Area code 210-340-9585. That's 340-9585. You can also call us toll-free if you're outside the local area by calling 877-630-KSLR. That's 630-5757. You can email questions to us by emailing questions at calvarysa.com. Uh, You can also use our free Calvary Chapel mobile app, and that can be um, an easy way for you to get your questions to us via uh, the radio program. Uh, If you are driving in your car, I tell you every day the safest way to call, we want you to be safe, is using the free KSLR mobile app. If you'll do that, you'll be connected directly to our studio producer, and we can get your questions that way. Uh, Before we get started today, of course, Paula's uh, here with me. Uh, But I want to dedicate this program today to a dear friend. Uh, Paul and I awoke to really, really sad news this morning. Uh, Pastor Tim Roosevelt, the pastor of Calvary Chapel in Beaumont, Texas, he and his wife, Lavette, uh, and their two daughters, um, um, he unexpectedly died last night. He had heart valve surgery a week ago, um, actually a week ago tomorrow, um, and he was apparently recovering fine, and so we don't really know what happened. But, um, boy, are we sad. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably in his early 50s. Uh, we've known Tim for maybe 15 years since he planted the church there. We've had them speak here at Calvary Chapel of San Antonio, and um, we're going to miss him Greatly, I would ask all of you in the listening audience to keep uh, his wife, Lavette and their two daughters uh, in your prayers. Um, it's just a horrible thing, Paula. We've been devastated all day long. Yeah, I, I, I tell you, I can't quite stop crying. Yeah. yeah. And for my friend, Lavette, I just can't imagine. So, anyway. <clears throat> uh, One of those things. Yep. Tim ha- is has uh, received his reward. But boy, the rest of us, such a nice guy, you know? I mean, it it makes sense. He's a pastor. He needs to be a nice guy, but he was really a nice guy. He was just the opposite of me, and he had this bionic voice. Mm -hmm. You could hear Tim coming from a mile away, and he would always cry, Ronnie! And (laughs) it's just just one of those guys that kind of lit up the room that he was in, and and as I said, we are all going to miss him. Now, having said that, we also got a great treat today. Uh, Tanya, who is a regular caller from San Leandro, San Leandro, <laughs> California, 
uh, Tanya uh, was with us today. We, she's in town, so we got to have breakfast with her this morning and spend some time, and she's just doing great. And Tanya, if you're listening while you're traveling around uh, South Texas, uh, thank you for uh, the time you gave us this morning, and it was wonderful to see you, and you look like you're doing great. Mm-hmm. And she's just so special. You know, we were struggling, and we are trying to, you know, get the focus off of us, and so it was really a pleasant thing to have her because she just has stories you know and she has questions in fact i was saying she should be on the radio program with us today and bring her a list of questions that would have been kind of exciting but yeah she just all jesus all the time it's just you know paul what's really special about tanya is that she is a living breathing example of the benefit of of taking Paul's counsel to Philemon. I pray that you'll be active in sharing your faith Mm -hmm. so you have a full understanding of every good thing that we have in Christ. You know, she lives in um, the American equivalent of Sodom and Gomorrah Mm -hmm. in the San Francisco Bay Area. Uh, And yet she is um, bravely and unashamedly sharing Jesus everywhere she goes with everyone, taking a stand for what's right and wrong. Mm -hmm. And you can just see how much she's grown in her walk with the Lord. Uh, We had the privilege of having her in our church for a really long time before um, life took her to, to Northern California. Uh, but you you could just see how much she's grown and and um, it, God is really using her mm-hmm. right where she is. She, uh, you know, and this is what you always say to us when we're we're talking. <clears throat> what's the what's the scripture that goes with that? You know, and and so when people are talking to her, she's listening, and she and scriptures will come to her mind and. God who's faithful, he says, if you will put the word in, he will bring it out. And so we can, we can know, you know, you had that question of, of, should I know all about all the other religions? No, just know the truth. And so when the false comes and she's living in a place where there's a whole lot of false, (laughs) um, she can say, well, the Bible says, that's my answer. You're not, you're not, it's not Tanya's answer. It's, this is what Jesus says. And she says where she lives, and probably for all of us, we need to say Jesus, not God. Cause, the minute you, you know, say God, it can be anything yeah. and everything. She said a tree, <laughs> <laughs> your job, you know. Uh, but yeah, so we need to know uh, the word, and we need to be um, proclaiming Jesus. Okay, before I take a phone call, Paula, let me say one other thing that I wanted to say today. I'll also try to remember to say it tomorrow. We will not have a live program on Monday. Paul and I will be at uh, Pastor Tim's uh, funeral service. Um, so Monday will be a pre-recorded edition. I'll be back, Lord willing, on Tuesday. Again, I'll try to remind you tomorrow. Paula, before we get started, let's okay. take a phone call. Roger is on line one from San Antonio. Roger, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Hi, Ron. Uh, well, I don't even. I don't even want to even ask the question after that. You know. Oh, it's it's all right, Roger. Life life goes on. Takes the, the wind out of my sails. Yeah. But uh, uh, I'd like to you to clarify something, and it doesn't make any difference on my faith because anyway. Uh, Genesis 6. I called yesterday. Anyway, mm-hmm. Genesis 6, 4. Okay. Those were the mighty men who were of old, men of renown. Now, I've looked this up, you know, in the old uh, language and all this other stuff. You know, what what really confuses me is, is how did... How did beings that did not have physical bodies called the sons of God mate with human beings? Were they, were they possessing other bodies? Uh, you know, can you shed some light on that? And what are the men of renown? Okay, I can do that, Roger. Thanks, and don't worry about asking anybody in the audience asking any questions. We're sad, but we, we, we keep doing what we do. Yeah, and, and again, we're, we're sad, but we rejoice at the same time. It's a, a weird dichotomy. We know Pastor Tim is where he always wanted to be. Um, it's just the rest of us will miss him, <laughs> so we're good. Okay, Roger, here's, here's, 
Oh, you know it. You know it. You know, that's that's the, the, the sort of the natural tension in death. When somebody goes to be with Jesus, it's the best thing possible. We selfish humans who are sad and our yep. hearts are hurting, you know, we're the ones there that we go. we're left behind to hurt. So, yep. so yep. Roger, uh, Genesis 6-4 has been, this is, this is, I want to make it clear, this is a disputed text, and uh, well, I, I have very... I have very strong opinions about it. However, um, uh, my my position is probably a minority position, uh, and I think the difference is whether or not you really believe in the supernatural. Uh, and a lot of people who say they do will say, well, this couldn't happen. Uh, the King James, uh, that they were men of renown, simply means that they were famous in legend and lore for their strength and violence. It doesn't mean that they were... Um, um, uh, Revered? Well, it just means that, you know, like we would say a, a gangster, you know, we, we, we have legends that spring up around Jesse James and Notorious. And, and, yeah, Notorious is a good word, Paula. Thank you. So, um, and, and as legends and lore would, the, these stories would spread um, throughout the, the, the generations. Now, the King James and the New King James uses the word giants here uh, to translate Nephilim. Um, it, it, it is clear that these are very large people, but I think that the, the reference to giants is a bad translation. The Hebrew word is nephi, and it's used only three times in Scripture. The other two times it's used uh, is in Numbers chapter 13, and it's used to describe the sons of Anak, who are said to be descendants of the Nephilim. Um, that too, for me at least, is suspicious because the descendants of these giants were wiped out in the flood. So here's what I think. I think the, the, the root word for Nephilim literally means fallen ones. Uh, one thing we know for sure about these uh, large peoples, they were really, really wicked. Um, they were a result of a sexual relationship, and this is a very uh, strongly held opinion I have, Roger. They were the result of a sexual relationship between the sons of God and the daughters of men, whoever they were. Now, I want to take just a few minutes for this and see what we do know, because I'd like to make sure I'm clear on this, and I think we can identify who the sons of God and the daughters of men were. Um, the first thing we need to know is that the Hebrew term sons of God is used only four other times in the Old Testament. Three of them are in Job. The other is in Daniel. In Job, the context makes it crystal clear that the angelic beings are what is in view as Satan is identified as one of them. In Daniel the term appears when Nebuchadnezzar throws the three Hebrew kids into the furnace uh, because they refuse to worship him. When Nebuchadnezzar looks into the fire he sees four not three people walking around the fire and declares that one of them is like a son of God same word. Now we know for sure who that was. That was Jesus himself so we know that the reference there is also non-human. And this is what uh, is called the theophany, Christ in a precarnate appearance. Um, we also have the witness, one of the most reliable Old Testament texts, uh, is the Septuagint, the Greek version of the Old Testament. Uh, one of our most reliable manuscripts, it dates before 200 B.C. And it translates the sons of God into angels of God. So the distinction here seems to me to be designed to ensure that we know these men were created rather than born. Only Adam, Eve, and the angels fit that description. So if we use a solid hermeneutic here for interpreting Scripture, uh, we have to conclude that by sons of God, Moses meant for us to understand that these are supernatural, angelic beings. Because nowhere in Scripture does this term refer to human beings, not anywhere else in Scripture. So here's the problem, and I'll start with those who disagree with my interpretation. They do so because there's no example in Scripture where angels are said to have the ability to procreate. For some reason, people really get angry when somebody suggests that angels and women procreated. They claim this is nothing more than pagan mythology. Um, those who hold this view uh, claim that the sons of God refers to Seth's descendants, uh, a godly line, while the daughters of men refers to the descendants of Cain, an evil line. But there's no way at all that we can see that anywhere in Scripture. 
church history seems to record that Chrysostom and Augustine were the first to champion this view. Now, here's why I disagree. It cannot be true, because if it were, it means that godly men would have perished in the flood. And Peter says other words, Second Peter chapter 2, verse 5, if he did not spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on its ungodly people but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and seven others, and then he goes on to explain, the flood is said to have come upon only the ungodly. God has never brought judgment upon his people. He never can. By the way, that's why a pre-trib rapture theory of the church has to be true. God cannot judge his people. Uh, The second reason is that the issue of angels having sexual relationships with humans seems to have merit. We know from a lot of instances in Scripture that angels can take on human form. We also know that there are many different levels or strengths of angelic beings. It appears that before the flood, some angels, especially powerful, evil, fallen angels, had the ability to engage in sexual relationships with human women. Jude chapter 6, verse, uh, I'm sorry, Jude uh, verses 6 and 7 says this, uh, And the angels who did not keep their positions of authority but abandoned their own home, these he has kept in darkness, bound with everlasting chains for judgment on the day, on that great day. In a similar way, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion. Uh, if you have a King James, that perversion says strange flesh, meaning of another sort. They serve as an example of those who suffer the punishment of eternal fire. Um, Clearly, the homosexual behavior um, going on after, going after strange flesh in Sodom is linked to the behavior of angels who are bound in darkness because they also went after strange flesh. So I hope that makes some sense to you, Roger. You know, the people who say, well, you angels can't have sex, they can't procreate. Uh, If you remember in Sodom and Gomorrah, when um, Jesus and the two destroying angels uh, went into Sodom and Gomorrah after stopping off at Abraham's, uh, the men wanted to have sex with them. So clearly the men of Sodom and Gomorrah believed they could have sex with those men that we know are as angels. So it simply means that they took on the form uh, of human. I believe that this is uh, Satan's last-ditch attempt to so pollute the Christ, uh, the human line that Jesus would not have been able to come. Um, Satan was told that the seed of woman would crush him, and these were intended relationships to so pollute the human race that it would be impossible for a man to come from an ancestry polluted by demons. It almost worked. You can see that in verse 5 in this passage of Scripture where it says, The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become and that every inclination of his thoughts was, of his heart was only evil all the time. So, uh, again, it's a very strong opinion from, from, from me on this. Uh, by the same token, uh, I understand this isn't something that we would ever um, separate over. Um, I, I just think it is the only explanation for the reason that the flood that destroys all flesh comes as a result of this. This sin was so grievous in the eyes of God that the only answer to it was to destroy all but one family. Otherwise, the flood itself makes no sense. So, Roger, thank you for asking. I hope that makes some sense to you. Uh, You can get my study in uh, Genesis chapter 6 online at calvarysa.com. It's free, of course, and and, uh, I, I take some more time to explain it there. Well, Paul, now I've taken your whole first half of the show almost. It is really okay. I love this show so people can get their questions answered. And had Roger stayed on the line, we probably would have heard him go, Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Pastor Ron, for that greatly detailed answer. Um, You know, I've been listening to the show, and my new thing is I'm taking... I'm taking little notes so I can come back and say, oh, I really enjoyed that when you answered this question. But, you know, we're all as Christians. Um, I think Harold was the one who started the show off this this week 
It's already Thursday. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But freedom that we have, the liberty we have in Christ, we don't have to, have to, have to. We, we get to, you know, and uh, the ladies and I are getting ready to do Sweet Summer Devotion, so we're doing Second um, Corinthians 5, 17, you know. Uh, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things pass away. All things have become new. And so, um, and then uh, a little... Let me see, yeah, I'll go back a couple of scriptures. I'm just trying to remember this in my head, um, where it says, those who live now live no longer for themselves, but for him who died to save us, you know. And so, you know, thinking about our freedom and our liberty, we're free to do whatever we want to do, but is it beneficial? Is it, is it going to bring a smile to Jesus' face, or is it going to make him a little bit sad? But just the freedom and... Um, the joy of living for Jesus, there's just no guilt, no shame. You know, like with Tanya, standing for the Lord, she knows that God's word will vindicate her eventually, even though people might call her uh, foolish or stupid or you're in a cult or, or those kind of things. There's still a freedom in, you know, I know what's right, and I'm going to live that, and you know, no matter what you say. You know, Paula, why do we worry so much about what people say or think if what we really have is the truth? Yeah, because yeah, we all want to be liked. We all want to be thought of as having a brain, you know, and when people say, you believe that, to be able to say, yeah, I do. I mean, well, but I think we're all kind of worried. I want everybody to be saved. And so when I when I tell them, what is true, I want them to believe it so they can walk in the freedom and the liberty of Christ and, you know, go to heaven as well. And so when they don't, it's like, why don't you believe me? I wish people would be more concerned about being thought well of in heaven. Oh, yeah. You know, for for taking this glorious message that we have instead of worrying about what people here think. If we really care about people, then we got to tell them the truth. Yeah. And if we don't tell them the truth, it's like we're saying, look, it's okay with me if you go to hell. Mm-hmm. And it's not okay it's with not God. Okay. It shouldn't be okay with yeah, us. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Harold, we've been praying for your ear infection. We hope you feel better. But thank you for um, calling in on the, to the show and starting it off this week with freedom and liberty in Christ. And then um, the anonymous person asking about true godly forgiveness. And I was telling you that it seems like every time... Every um, teaching, whether I'm listening to it or, you know, speaking about it myself, it's been all about forgiveness. You know, we're in the book of Philemon, in, uh, wrapping up our, our women's Monday night study, and that little teeny book, we're doing it in four studies. And so forgiveness is, is a, a big deal. But you were saying that our minds don't stop working. Um, God knows if it's real or not, because a lot of times the ladies will ask me, well, I have forgiven that person uh, or those people, but I still think of it. And it's like, well, our brains are a computer. They're not going to ever forget that. We can just choose not to live like it's happening to us right now. Um, And so I I really did appreciate that because, you know, a, a lot of times we feel guilty because that thought is still there or the button can be pushed, you know, by the enemy and or if that person or those people are still in our lives, still doing the same things, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, How you said trust has to be earned. Even when you forgive somebody, trust has to be earned. Some people are just not going to be in my circle of friends ever, (laughs) you know, and yet I have forgiven them and or I'm willing to forgive them, which is key. Um, you know, before you go on, Paul, you use the term computer. I like that, describing our brain. Every computer has an on and an off button. When we leave the office after the program today, I'll turn my computer off. When I come in in the morning, I'll have to turn it on. Mm-hmm. Well, our brain has an on and off switch as well. Mm-hmm. And when the enemy is lying to us, we got to hit the off button. Mm-hmm. we got to take our thought, those thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ. And uh, I think sometimes, as you said, the enemy says, well, if you really forgave, you wouldn't remember this or, or you wouldn't have that thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but that thought is, is coming from an outside source, so we've got to really be on guard against it. Yeah. And say, so, yep, that used to be how I would respond, but I get to choose 
to walk in the spirit and no longer in the flesh. I was a little kid and I used to act like a child, but now I'm an adult and I can choose to walk in the spirit again and not in the flesh. So I like the fact that, um, you know, you it, it got to you, this intimate relationship must be tested. There has to be wisdom. You know, um, if we have somebody who's, say, in a marriage, cheated on us, you know, there's got to be accountability now. And, um, yeah, so that, I, I love that answer. And then sad, you know, one was, should this person, you know, you're talking about staying or fleeing from an abusive husband. And um, flee is the, yeah. is the answer. I, I'm amazed, Paula. We're, in, we're, we're getting close to about mm -hmm. one minute here. Uh, I am amazed that it's hard to convince women to leave an abusive relationship. You know, you've lived with me all these years. Mm -hmm. And the numbers of women that we've told to get out for their own safety and for the safety of their children, mm -hmm. and they simply, because of financial considerations or some other such fear, they yeah. just won't do it. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's a big debate going on um, um, in the Christian world right now about whether or not abuse, verbal or physical, is grounds for divorce. There, there shouldn't be any question about physical abuse. Mm -hmm. God wants you to be safe. Yeah. We'll come back to these topics after the break. You're listening to The Word to Stand Up for Life, 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. In our last 30 minutes, 877-630-KSLR. We'd love to have your question on the date day edition of the program. We'll be back in two minutes. the word to stand on for life we're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll free 877-630-KSLR now here's pastor ron arbaugh welcome back to the second half of our program we have 30 minutes left for your calls and questions ladies especially if you have anything that you'd like direct 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 directly to paula now that doesn't make any sense yeah if you have a question you'd like to direct to Paula, she is here. Uh, Paula, before we get started, a couple of things that um, um, you mentioned in the first half of the program, Sweet Summer Devotions. Um, I think it's probably the right time to share uh, with the audience again what Sweet Summer Devotions is and invite the ladies to be a part of it. Okay. Yeah. Um, Sweet Summer Devotions is our women's Monday night Bible study that we still have on seven at 7 o'clock here at the church. Um, but... It's a different kind of a study instead of going through a book. I've chosen this year we have nine weeks of uh, Sweet Summer Devotions. Uh, there's, I choose different ladies from the church that you probably never heard speak before, and they um, share a testimony, a Bible study, or a devotion. And really what it turns out to be is a kind of a combination of all, kind of mainly focusing on their testimony, which this year the theme is Second uh, Corinthians 5.17. Of course, I said that a few minutes ago about um, uh, if anyone is in Christ, you know, she's a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. And um, it's an amazing thing when you hear these ladies, and they don't practice in front of me. I don't know, you know, everybody's... Uh, deep testimony or what they're going to share. So I'm learning about, you know, these people's lives at the same time that they're speaking to everybody else. Um, but it never fails. This has been probably one of the best ministries of Calvary Chapel um, ever, you know, other than the women's prayer and, you know, of course, the, the teaching of the Word. But as a individual ministry, this kind of is one of those toppers where... Um, uh, it has grown the ladies in this body together because um, when one stands up there and is pretty transparent, the rest of us are they're, like... They're not pretty transparent. Yeah, they're really they're transparent. transparent. Yeah. Um, it's like, wow, we see the goodness, the faithfulness, the mercy of God. Um, and uh, it's a fun thing to see because each woman has like 40 minutes to speak. And I've had a couple of them say, my testimony is a lot longer than that. Well, that's all well and good, but you have 40 minutes. But what happens is later um, other women will, can, will go to that speaker and say, 
can you tell me more? Yeah. That's when she... And there's always a Q&A time afterwards yeah. where the ladies get to ask questions. How did you survive this or yes. what happened yeah. here? Yeah, it's just been an amazing, an amazing uh, ministry. The first one will be on June 4th, and the second one will be June 11th. And then there's a two-week break because I don't want to miss any, and we go on vacation. <laughs> so I have schedule, you know, when I'm here So I because I don't want to miss them. They're just so just wonderful um and the the i think on monday nights now we have a pretty good crowd but then when summer comes it's like we need all the chairs to be up guys you know <laughs> and so it's a, a really cool time uh pastor ken still teaches the men in the summer as well so men and women meet in the sanctuary together and then the ladies stay and then pastor ken takes the men over into a, a side room the um Sweet Summer Devotions are live streamed, and so they will be on archive as well. So for those of you who can't make it, I feel really bad for you because <laughs> being here in person is way, way better, but you won't miss out completely. Yeah, as a pastor who's concerned only with fruit, um, Sweet Summer Devotions has been an exceptionally fruitful ministry. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've watched women's lives change, not those who are sharing necessarily, mm-hmm. but, but those who are going through similar issues. Yes. Uh, they know they're not alone. It's just a really great, we have a great crowd on, on um, Monday nights for Sweet Summer Devotions. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Childcare is available. Childcare is so, available. I'm looking forward and to. then, of course, uh, Pastor Nelly will still have be teaching the youth, and Chris Sanchez, the uh, junior hires. Yeah. So every, it's a full-service church. Uh, just please be here. And, and we'll, we'll keep you posted uh, as we get closer to that date as, mm-hmm. all, as well. Mm-hmm. Paul, the other thing I'd like you to spend just a couple minutes to talk about, if you would, Oh, you didn't want to tell them how we came about the Sweet Summer Devotions and how God had to kind of... But, uh, no, no I, I don't, don't need to <laughs> put my ignorance on display. Uh, uh, what Paul's referring to, you know, when we do Bible studies here at Calvary Chapel, it's a Bible study. Mm-hmm. And when she came to me with this idea about having women share instead of going through a book of the Bible just for summer... My first response, it was just a, a gut reaction instinctively, was, well, no, that's a dumb thing. It's such a girl thing. <laughs> you know, uh, let, let's just find a book in the Bible to teach it. And right in the middle of that explanation to you, the Lord spoke to Martin and said, hey, uh, uh, excuse me, yeah. Yeah. this is her deal. <laughs> I've spoken to her. And, oh, was I ever wrong, because yeah. this has been such a fruitful, fruitful thing. And it's thank, okay. And thank I don't you mean for to, embarrassing me. Yeah, I, I don't mean to <laughs> embarrass you, humiliate you, because going through the Word and knowing um, God's word from uh, the start of a book to the end of it, verse by verse, is what has allowed this ministry to come about. Mm-hmm. And the ladies know that they share, you know, say 100% pie. 20% is that old stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And 80% is this, the stuff that God, of course, brought them through and what he's doing now. And so it's not a, you know, glorifying our sinful past. It's It's saying... Look who God is. Look what he's done. And look what he's done. The old done. is gone, the new is come. Yeah, yeah. And it's just an amazing and amazing. Uh, yeah, and, and as a pastor, I like it because there's a whole bunch of nervous ladies right now. Mm-hmm. Their pictures are going to start going up around the church now. And yep. people are going to be saying, oh, you're one of the speakers. Mm-hmm. And they're already nervous enough because you asked them. Mm-hmm. But uh, they, they, it's just always magnificent. Yeah, and if, you know, speaking of that, in the radio listening audience, please pray for these ladies because um, they'll be boasting on the Lord and the enemy hates that. And so please pray for them because um, many other women who have heard testimonies over the years have been emboldened to say, wow, if Jesus can save them and do for them, then he can do the same thing for me. So they, we all need prayer. I'll be the first speaker, but we all need prayer because, you know, the... The warfare is real, but... And you're the only repeat speaker because it's new ladies every year. Yeah, it's new ladies every year. That's cool. Uh Uh, Okay, so... Paul, Paul, the the other thing I'd like you to share uh, is about... Mother's Day. Mother's Day. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so Mother's Day... Sunday. ...is this coming Sunday. And for... It's always a, a really sweet time for most. It's a tender time for some others... Um, some who have lost their mothers or and, and those who aren't mothers yet and they really want to be um, it's kind of that's kind of a, a bittersweet tender time and yet um, for those of us who are mothers 
those who, and some are, are mothers, but they might have uh, kids who aren't with them or aren't doing well. I mean, that whole thing. And then there's others who their mothers are right there. They have a great relationship with them. You know the whole gamut of, of mothers, but um, I don't know how many years ago it was, but Dr. Sheba's mom was coming into town. And so, so that we could honor her, a bunch of the ladies just said, oh, let's try to wear India, Indian garb and, and honor Sheba's, Sheba's mother. And so a bunch of us did. Every year since, that ministry has grown. Um, and Sheba's mom was blown away. Yeah, her mom was so thrilled, so excited. Um, and then even some of our men wear the Indian uh, shirts. I, can't, I don't know what the names of them are. I forget. Uh, but it's just such a really cool t- time. And, and I, this is a good thing we're announcing this, Pastor Ron, because if any new people come to our church, you're like, oh. Is this an Indian church <laughs> with a white guy pastor? And we've been doing it for a lot of years now. Yes, a lot of years. So, But this year, it, well, let me see. Last year, I bet you there had to be probably 40 of us at least, 40 or more, just ladies who were dressed in sari, salvars, um, and just so colorful and beautiful. Uh, and then with our guys chiming in, probably about 10 or 15 of them, joining in but uh, this year we have decided because i was praying and i asked the lord should we continue to do it this way and he's we we're going to do it international so whatever your nationality is if you desire to dress up um in your national garb then please do so and come to calvary chapel san antonio and i'm going to be taking lots of pictures um (laughs) yeah we have a couple of people you know because we kind of mixed marriages mm-hmm. cultural garb is is the proper way to say this cultural garb um, we have some that are Hispanic and Scottish so what are they going to do you know they're going to wear a kilt and a sombrero uh-huh. <laughs> there you go so but yeah I, I talked to a, one young lady last night uh, second time she's been here and she didn't know anything about it until I started talking about it she goes oh, I'm going to the store right now I know what I'm I know what I'm going to wear anyway so it should be a lot of fun. Hey, Pastor, I wanted to talk about something. Okay. Okay. You know, in First Corinthians 13, about that love, you know the love I'm talking about? Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. You know that one. So I have a, a little handout that I got when I did a retreat recently. And love is patient. Let's go for that one first. Here's a, here's a question. Do I exude a forbearing spirit that enables me to listen and care for those around me? And the answer part is, uh, love does not insist on its own schedule and time constraints. People, especially hurt people, can absorb much time, and don't we know that? Um, the patient person trusts God with his very limited time. Um, there have been days when it's like, Lord, I don't really have that much time. Can you can you extend this? And um, of course, he does. Love also is able to rightly treat all sorts of people. Um, And I know this to be true. We tend to expect people to listen to us the way we are used to, but often this does not work out that way. But the patient person trusts God for wisdom to kindly care for each person. So, you know, if we think about love is patient and put our name there, a lot of times I'm not the most patient person, but you know what I want to be and so that uh, choosing to walk in the spirit and not in the flesh God can help us in being able to lovingly care for people and we always say this all the time hurting people hurt people and then we also say this people are the way they are for a reason and so even when we're you know I'm, I'm pretty hard on myself but even when I'm ministering to other people I can feel the love of God um, being poured through me to them um, most of the time. <laughs> How's that? <laughs> That's just being honest, Pastor Ron. And then, love is kind. Well, um, these are just some questions we can ask ourselves. Am I always nice and caring toward other people? Um, Let me make a distinction there. Okay. It doesn't say in the Bible that love feels kind. Mm-hmm. Or love is kind if this person agrees with you or you with them. 
kindness should never be an option yeah. for a Christian. Yeah. Not ever. Mm-hmm. And, and there's a lot of people, frankly, that when they come up for the 50th time on a Sunday for the same things and you know they're going to dominate your time, mm-hmm. there, there are times when you think, you know, I need to, to, to walk away and talk to somebody else. Um, but, but that's not being kind. And you never know which moment is going to be that moment where the Holy Spirit sort of breaks through mm-hmm. and and sort of knocks them on the head and says, you know, listen. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had a lot of instances where it took years and years and years for people to get it. To finally get it, huh? But when the Holy Spirit opened their eyes, it was like, wow. Yeah. And so kindness is something that is not uh, an option mm-hmm. for, a, for a Christian. And that's a 24-7 deal. Yeah. Um, it says we're if a person is not kind he simply is not loving so yeah Lord we have that's a gift of the spirit so we have that um, I don't need to say all of these but uh, love this Paul what we do, do you just kind of figure out what you're going to go next let's okay take a phone you got a question sure. let's go to line one talk with Jim from San Antonio Jim thanks for calling you're on the air Hey, hey guys, I got a question that uh, maybe y'all can both give your perspective on. Okay. Uh, but let me ask Paula first. Paula, back when you know Pastor Ron was was still in his BC days and uh-huh. tough to live with, would you ever, did you ever consider that he was uh, like emotionally abusive towards you, or you know, it was was there any challenges in that area at, at that time? <laughs> We're laughing with you, Jim, not at you. Yeah, yeah, no, he oh, was, okay. he was very abusive, uh, emotionally uh, and verbally at times. Um, he yeah. would leave in the morning when it was very dark, and he would stay at work all day and come home. It'd be very dark, um, and then when he would come in, he'd sit down in front of the TV, and he would take the remote. And he would turn the volume up as high as it could go, which told me that he didn't want to hear anything from me and our children. Um, yeah, we were not, I was not high on the priority list. Let's just say that. Okay. Well, I guess my question then is, part two, is uh, is that grounds for divorce? Yeah, Jim, let me, let me answer that. Uh, um, you know, we, we live in a culture that throws the abuse word uh, around so easily that we minimize what real abuse is. Um, you know, being married to a jerk is not grounds for divorce. And I was a jerk. Um, but 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 First Peter chapter three tells us how to live if we live with an unbeliever. Um, and if we do that, and that's what Paula did faithfully, uh, no matter how miserable I made it for her, and I did so intentionally. I was trying to prove to her that Jesus wasn't real, that he wasn't as strong as I was. Um, um, and yet God told her to stick in with me and don't leave because he, he hates divorce. Um, so verbal abuse is just somebody being a jerk or a jerkette. There's nothing at all that we can do about that except love them and pray for them and make them the object of our ministry instead of considering them the enemy of our ministry. And if we understand that, then God's grace will be sufficient. He will toughen us up. There were many, many times when Paula uh, was so uh, emotionally beaten down that um, uh, there's no excuse for the way I behaved. Uh, and yet it was in those times when God showed himself to be the most powerful. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think we have to make a distinction. If we're going to be honest uh, in our culture, we have to make a distinction between physical abuse and emotional abuse. Um, we can define anything as emotional abuse, and that's simply not uh, God wants me to be happy is not grounds for divorce. Mm-hmm. Um, on the other hand, and I want to say this because I say it every time we talk about abuse, any physical abuse at all, a woman needs to be safe in her own home, and any physical abuse at all means that the woman ought to leave. Yeah, you're exactly right because it's yes because at, at, at one point, Jim, and this is part of my testimony. I had a baseball bat and a golf club under my bed because I had determined it in my mind that I would just go to heaven from jail. I had had it. I was done, and um, but the Lord said. 
come on, Val. You know, you need to look inside. And Jesus poured into me how much he loved Ron. And um, he wanted to use me to show that. So how I was able to uh, deal with it is I would walk away, you know. I would walk away from the conversations that would get ugly. I, I think that's why Song of Solomon 4-7 means so much to me, is because the Lord said to me, All beautiful you are, my darling. There is no flaw in you. And so I got to choose whether I was going to believe the ugly stuff that was coming from the devil through Ron, um, or was I going to believe Jesus? And I think what happens is we believe the ugliness or listen to the ugliness so long from maybe even when our parents used to tell us horrible things that we, when it comes from somebody who said they loved us and they're not demonstrating that and we believe it, that it hurts all the more. And so um, trusting Jesus to love you is the key so that you're not beat down all the time. Yeah, and I, as I said, guys, because I've I just known people, even church people, Christians, that seem that they've justified their divorce because mm-hmm. they just didn't want to live with this jerk anymore, you know, whichever yep. way mm-hmm. it was. And, yeah. and I'm thinking, and, gosh, and, yeah, Jim, that dis- that displeases God. Yeah, um, and what I, what we what I would have missed, what we would have missed, had I just been in my flesh and went the way of what made sense. You know, I want the pain to stop. Um, what we would have missed, and I, I've said this, I don't know, it was on my 50th birthday, and that was 15 years ago, um, almost 16 now, where our older son in a birthday card said, Mom, thank you for staying with Jesus, and thank you for staying with Dad. Where would, I fa- where would our family be had you not? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Jim. Well, appreciate uh, Pre- appreciate your, uh, yeah. your feedback. Thanks. Appreciate it very much. Uh, Jim, while you're off the air, I'll add one other thing. You know, um, um, by design, um, we didn't know it was by God's design, but it was. Uh, Paula was journaling back then during those times. Now, I've never been a loud person. Um, raising my voice just doesn't occur to me. Um, but but uh, Paula was journaling um, her feelings, her pain. Um, she was journaling them in the form of prayers and God instructed her to keep those journals. And, um, I haven't done it for a long time now, but, uh, in our, our first 10 years here at Calvary Chapel of San Antonio, um, uh, I would often quote from those journals to my shame and embarrassment, uh, the things that I said to Paula, the way I made her feel the pain that I caused her. Uh, it was, it was humiliating. But, um, you know, I think it's important that as a pastor and, and his wife, we have to be real with the church. And they need to understand how great the power of God is to restore. You talk about beauty from ashes. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that, that's exactly what he's capable of doing. And, and Jim, because too many of, of uh, the people who are Christians uh, don't really believe that God has that kind of restoring power, they miss out mm-hmm. on, uh, Paul and I, we talk about it all the time, what would have happened if we wouldn't have been here, if yeah, we no. didn't come, or if yeah. you had divorced us, where would our lives have been? Mm-hmm. Well, all we know is that uh, we are so rich now because of what Jesus has done, uh, we'd have missed out on more than we can possibly imagine. Mm-hmm. And the, just the, the thought, any thought that we wouldn't be here doing this work is overwhelming to yeah, us. Yeah, yeah. Overwhelming. Well, Paula, we've talked so much, we're inside of four minutes now, so... <laughs> That's okay. Yeah, no, um... Jesus said he hates divorce. Hates it. And he hates a man um, covering himself with violence. You know, just... He hates that stuff. And so, you know, flee if you're in a an abusive marriage. But if it's just words and words do hurt don't listen to friends and family and, and there's no shortage of advice yeah well, you know god wants you to be happy yeah. And yeah. everybody and you are told even by my mother yeah. honey we love you you mm-hmm. can come live with me mm-hmm. everybody will understand leave mm-hmm. and but you held firmly what god spoke to your heart yeah yeah people would say you're a fool you know and then poor paula some of that was poor pitiful paula she's stupid for staying in that marriage and yet you know 
the Lord was there with me and he said, do it this way. Don't say this. Say this. Don't do that. Do this. And, you know, doing things God's way. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm a blessed woman. I'm rich. I'm rich. You know rich. what else, uh, Jim, when, when um, we turn on the Internet and subject search this on Christian websites, this idea of verbal abuse, it's so easy to find a whole bunch of people that will tell you exactly what um, you want to do. Instead of telling you what God would have you do, yes. uh, we've got to make a decision at the very beginning. Who do we belong to? Mm-hmm. Uh, are we are we in it to be happy, or to have life be easier, or are we in it to please God? Yeah. And uh, you know, as as trials and tribulations go, um, even men and women who live in a verbally abusive relationship don't face the kind of trials that people in the rest of this world do mm-hmm. for their faith in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. So sometimes he just asks us to tough it out. Yeah. And he's always there with us to explain to us that I'm enough. Yeah. Paul Will you trust me? Two minutes. Will you trust me? Yeah. Will you be patient with me? <laughs> Will you be patient with me, along yeah. with me? And so it takes a lot of patience and faith. First, will you trust me and be patient with me? It takes faith and patience to... Um, be pleasing to the Lord, and it never, it doesn't end. It just never ends. Wasn't our Lord pre- patient with me? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> me too, Ron. Me too. And I'm so thankful. He's a compassionate God. Yeah, yeah. But I, wouldn't, I do want to say Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. Um, and I want to, uh, you know, we got Ola, who's pregnant now. Um, so she's not on our list to be pregnant, but Ola, we love you, and, and I know you're going to find out soon what the what the sex of your baby is, and we're looking forward to that report. But for all the mothers out there, um, happy Mother's Day. And, and for Ola, those of you who aren't, we pray that you'll get an Ola moment. And Ola, we're praying for your pregnancy, the health of the baby, and the health of the baby's mom. Hey, thanks for tuning in today. You've been listening to the Date Day edition of The Word to Stand Up for Life. Lord willing, I'll be back tomorrow at 4 o'clock on AM 630 The Word. See you then. Bye-bye. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapel's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is on every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The Word to Stand On for Life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.